Father, we give You thanks and praise for today, for just renewing us daily, renewing Your relationship with us, and just reestablishing. Your Word says, Father, that we're supposed to die daily, die to self and live in Christ. And Father, we just ask You to continue to do that great work that You've begun in us. Lord, bring it to fruition in everything that we do. Let us be trees that, that bear great fruit, Jesus-looking fruit. And Father, we just, uh, we just pray that uh, You anoint the Bible study tonight. Holy Spirit, we invite You into this place to minister Your message tonight. Lord, we empty ourselves as vessels for Your honor, for Your glory. Fill us with Your Word. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Satan, you're not welcome in this place. We bind you in any spirit, not of the Holy Spirit. We command you to go from this place. You're bound, you're cast out, and we're loosed. And we deploy ministering angels into this place to just minister to us as we hear your word. Father, anoint your servant in Jesus' name and anoint your people. Amen. Well, good evening. Tonight we are here to celebrate not only God's Word, but of course, Dee and Henry, or Henry and Dee. It's, we're in America, so it's equal opportunity here. It's marriage. Mr. and Mrs. Scott. Yay! It's so exciting. And they have been married for almost two weeks. And it is just an absolute blessing. We invite you to visit our website at www.ytaf.org. And uh, if you're uh, listening to this at any other time, we invite you to make copies of this, hand it out to your friends, post it wherever you want, post it on a website, you know, use it to scare people. <laughs> it's a great thing. So we're going to continue with our teaching. We've been talking about the promises of God. And this is an important thing for us at this time in uh, in our lives. I mean, it's important for for the believer to always know that God's got something more than what you could do for yourself, right? I mean, we, if, 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 if God couldn't do any more for ourselves than we can do, then why would we need God, right? And so it's important for us as, as Christians, yes, it's real important for us to know the do's and the don'ts and, and the shalls and shall nots and all of that. And there's plenty of that going on, but how many times do we hear a balanced depiction of what God's promises are for the believer, we, we've learned that we are fellow heirs. And an heir means that we're children or family that is entitled to something. If, if, you, if you leave something for your kids, they're your heirs. And this is why we have a last will and testament. And this is why we have the New Testament and the Old Testament. And This is full of promises for God's people. But of course, as any, as any heir or anyone that's entitled to an inheritance, you need to be part of God's family. And the way that you become a part of God's family, of course, is by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart and understanding that without Him you can do nothing, that you need Him to get into heaven, you need Him to come into your life and wash away your sins and and uh, and stand before the Father and say, He's mine. And if you don't know how to do that, I'm sure that we can walk you through. Just simply say, Jesus, come into my heart and, and, uh, and make me yours. I repent of my sins. I confess you before men. 
as the Christ and as my Lord and Savior. And come into me now, Lord Jesus Christ, and I do this in your name. Amen. Go out, get water baptized, get uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, start going to a spirit, uh, you know, Bible-believing, Spirit-filled church, and you're in the kingdom. I mean, you're in the kingdom the moment you confess, but uh, you want to keep up and learn exactly what you're, you're, you've become a member of, and, and when you get saved, you've become a member of a family. Now, all these promises that God gives us, He gives us a promise for every good thing. Do you know that every good thing comes from the Lord? God's not going to ever give you any bad things. I guess we would say the irony of that is that Jesus' death on the cross was a great thing. I kind of look at that though like looking at, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're out there and you go to a, a Chinese restaurant and you order spare ribs, those weren't spare to the poor animal they came off of. You know, so it's kind of a thing where, yeah, God gives us good things. But they come in some pretty interesting packages sometimes. We, we, we deal with, uh, with different challenges in our lives and, and the scripture says that all things work for the good of those who love the Lord. So once you become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and a disciple, what happens is as you follow, as you follow the steps of your faith walk, okay, it's, it, understand, it, it's not a faith crawl, folks. It's a faith walk. Which means, as you walk through life, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, you're going to make mistakes. I have uh, I have two little girls at home, and, and one of them learned how to walk recently, and she walks and she'll stumble. And she'll, sometimes she'll stumble, and she'll lay there and cry for a minute, and then she'll get up, we'll just encourage her, and come on, get up, you know, and, 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 and we'll clap, and we'll laugh, and everything will be okay. And sometimes, she'll just fall, and she'll laugh at herself, and she'll get back up again. I prefer looking at my faith walk as the kind of person that falls and looks at my situation, kind of giggles a little bit and goes, oops, Lord, forgive me for that. That was kind of silly. That was kind of ridiculous and kind of babyish. And let's get back, let's get back to what your plan is for my life. And that's why it's called a faith walk. And faith walks consist of many steps. And those steps are going to take you down different roads. So of course, all things work for the good of those who love the Lord. We learn that God is going to provide for all our needs. And He's also going to provide for all our wants. As long, now here's the clincher here, as long as they're according to His will for your life. See, when you when you became a Christian, when you gave your life to Christ, and, and I know for some of you spiritual giants around here, that this is this is Christianity 101, but it never bears... You know, without saying here, it's, it's never too much to be said that when you became a Christian, you are no longer yourself. You're no longer your, you, you never, you no longer belong to you. Before it was, I did it my way. And now we do it his way. You see? And that is so important for us as believers to understand because as believers, Christ said, that we are now servants. We are now servants. He is the master. He acknowledged that you call me master and that's true. He made no bones about it. He said, hey, I am the master. You are the servant. True servanthood means to serve. It means to say, what can I do for you, Lord? God didn't come to serve you so you could sit back in church or you could sit back at your place of business or you could sit at home with your family and just say, thank you, God, for the blessing. Give me more. 
give me more. Do you know why God blesses his people? So they'll talk about him. If you're being blessed today and you're not sharing with other people the great things that God is doing for you, well, you know, I would imagine that sooner or later that blessing is going to run out. I mean, think about it. It just makes sense. If you're nice to somebody over and over and you say good morning to them every day and, you know, you, you maybe bring them a cup of coffee to their desk or whatever at work or, or whatever, you're just being nice to them. You know, you say hi and you ask them how their families and every day, they're, okay, I'm alright. Or they don't say anything at all. They, after a while, you're just not going to want to deal with that person. Because, hey, you know, why, why bother? Why, why, why bother? But now, just because you're supposed to go out there and tell you know everybody about the things God's doing for you. It doesn't mean that you have to live this ultra perfect, just perfectly clean, squeaky clean, you know, I'm a God dweeb lifestyle. I I, I don't know about you, but when I when I got saved, I realized how much more of a sinner I was than I ever knew. And as I walk in my faith walk and the Lord begins to work on my heart and working on what, what He's doing in me, the more I look and I say, man, I am just, th- this flesh of mine, because Paul said that it's not I, but sin that dwells within my flesh that does these things. For I, I do the things that, 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 that I don't want to do, and the things that I do want to do, I don't do. Wretched man that I am. Who's going to just save me from this? Because once you start to realize that you are a sinner, just because you got saved doesn't make you less of a sinner, okay? Then you really start to understand that every sinner needs a Savior. And everyone that needs a Savior is because they've been their own Lord of their life. I, I lived the Lord, the Lord Mikey life before I came to the Lord Jesus' life. That He's living in me and through me. And that's important to us as Christians that we understand that we can't just come along and take our salvation and go on about our business and just say, well, thank you, Lord. That was cool. You know, now I'm going to go back out to the club again or go back to the way I used to be. You know, yelling at my wife and yelling at my kids or whatever your particular thing is. You know, when we give our lives to Christ, there's supposed to be a difference. But do realize that you will stumble. You will fall. You will make mistakes. The good news is that the good work He's begun in you, He will bring to completion. It's not by your effort. It's not by your strength. It's by God's strength. In your weakness, He's strong. And and why am I saying this? Well, because I think that, that sometimes we get caught up in this religious fervor. Oh, I'm not good enough for God. I, I'm not going to ever be able to meet up to God's standards. Well, I got some bad news for you. <laughs> That's true. You're never going to live up to God's standards. Never, ever, 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 ever. In Romans 3.10, it says that none are righteous. Not a one. And if you look, it says, it is written in Romans 3.10. That means that it's, it's all over the Bible. It's in several places. And we're going to go over a couple of those places tonight so that you can understand that God does great things with imperfect vessels. And just because you may not feel worthy, 
That doesn't mean that God can't use you. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want to use you. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a really exciting plan. It's just a matter of perspective. I mean, if you look in Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, look down at verse 8. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. This is Paul talking here. I mean, this is a this is a real positive self-attitude we got here, right? Paul thought of himself as less than the least of all saints. Wow, here's a man responsible for so much of the New Testament, and this is how he thinks of himself? I mean, Paul, don't you know, dude? You you wrote a letter to the Romans. You you encouraged the Philippians and the and and, and you wrote to the to the church of, of of Ephesus and you you impacted so many people's lives throughout the next two thousand years. What's wrong with you? You should have a, a a you know a head the size of Jupiter, dude. What's wrong with you? Don't you know who you are, Paul? No, he says he's the least of all the saints. Do you, do you know you're a saint? Do you know you're a saint? You know why you're a saint? You're a saint because of Jesus. You were sanctified by the blood of Jesus. You are not a saint because of you. You're a saint because of who you represent. You understand? So he says that he was given this grace. Do you understand that everything, everything, everything that's given to us from God is by grace. Grace is undeserved. None of us here, none of us that walk the face of this earth, deserve anything that God gives us. Nothing. But he has chosen to give it to us. And Paul says, so that he may make it clear to the Gentiles the good news of the unending wealth of Christ. Now this is important because Paul called himself the Jew of all Jews. I mean, here's a guy that if you read in the book of Acts, Paul was out there, his name was Saul at the time, he was out there killing Christians. He was out there destroying the very thing because he was the Jew of all Jews. I'm Paul and I've got a Jewish degree in theology from the, I don't know, whatever. He, he said himself later, he calls it all dung. You understand that, that theological thinking alone now I'm I'm all for so people don't don't turn off the mp3 don't don't turn off the cd I'm not saying that that theologians are full of dung I'm just saying that get up off that high horse your education you could sit there and study theology till Jesus comes back or till the day you die whichever one comes first and you're never going to understand it all you're never going to become righteous because of what you know you're never going to understand everything that God has to offer. Because God is never going to make himself 100% understandable to you. You don't have to have a, a bunch of doctorate degrees and, and all of these different things to show that you're a Christian. And you don't need to go and give everybody the address to every scripture that you've ever met. I, I, I know these people that sit there and they, oh, I, I need to learn where that is in the scripture. Okay, well, that's important that you need to know where it is in the scripture if you need to look it up. But I got news for you. Do you know that the word of God is written on the heart of every man? You've got God's entire Bible right here. 
Now, I'm not telling you not to study the scripture and that, you know, you need to be able to turn to it and look it up. But if you think about it, if you're really maintaining a good relationship with the Holy Spirit and you're in communion with the Lord and you're asking for his revelation over situations, when you start to pray and you start to converse with the Lord, you are going to find that scripture and it's going to come out of you. It's going to come out of your heart. See, people use the Bible to refer to what God said. Well, why do you need to refer to what God said when you can sit down or get on your knees or lay on your back or stand on your head or whatever you want to do to make you comfortable to pray and hear what God has to say? Not what God said. See, it's about relationship. Can you imagine if, if, if you had a rich uncle or a rich grandpa or whatever and, and the grandpa was alive and well but all you kept telling grandpa or your rich uncle is, listen man, I, I just want to look at your will. <laughs> That's all I want. Every time you come over, but, but Mikey, I want to spend time with you. No man, I just want to look at your will. Show me your testament, man. Come on, just show me, show me all the good stuff you got for me in the future. I don't want to know anything about, but you got me right here. I mean, I'm, I'm with you right now. I, I can, I, we can spend the rest of your life, you know, here on earth and the rest of eternity together and we can have a great conversation. Why would you want to just read my will? You see, but a lot of Christians do that when it comes to the Lord. We read a lot of His Word. But how much time do you spend in prayer? How much time do you spend conversing with the Lord? And I don't mean praying for, you know, I mean, it's important to pray for the kids in Africa. It's important to pray for the missionaries. It's important to pray for your president. It's important to pray for your government. It's really important to pray for your family and your relationship. But how many times do you just say, you know, Lord, I'm just going to spend time with you today and listen to you. So we've, we've made it a habit to pray at God instead of communicating with God. Amen? And that is really what God wants to do with us. Then, of course, you've got the ultra-spiritual people. They, they never, ever, ever stop praying. They're always praying. What were you doing? Oh, I was praying. Yeah, don't, don't interrupt. I'm, I'm praying. I'm too holy. I can't... What? Go, go, go and visit people at the nursing home? Oh, no, I couldn't do that. I've got to pray. Go and, and, and visit the sick or something? No, I can't. i got to go pray. Well, you could go pray for them. Well, I'll sit here and I'll put them on my prayer list and I'll pray for them from here. I, I wonder sometimes when I look at, 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 at these people. <laughs> and it's like, dude, you, you, you missed out on the real idea of prayer. Prayer is conversing with God. Prayer is communicating with God and asking God what he wants to do in this situation and how he can help you understand it. You know, half the time when we pray for people and for things, it's because we don't understand it. Because if the scripture says, and listen to this, if the scripture says that all good things work for the Lord, for the good of those who love the Lord, right? All things, not a few things, all things. So when you're going for a bad situation... Don't lose hope. Don't wonder. Don't say, oh, I'm a Christian. This can't happen to me. No, wait a minute. Stop and ask God why. Lord, why why is this happening? Give me revelation. Show me what the lesson you're trying to teach me here is. I've said it before. 
as Christians, we're supposed to look at tribulation as a classroom, not as a jail cell. The moment that you can finally look at tribulation as a classroom and not a jail cell, then the Lord can really start to work in your life and really start to minister to you and really do some incredible things. If we could just be quiet, be still, and listen to the Lord. All of these all of these uh, these religious types that are out there that, that spend all this time and religious things and, you know, they... They, they, they kind of creep me out sometimes because sometimes they're, they're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. And they just walk around with their head up in a cloud and I'm just so righteous and you're not. So you need me. And one day, perhaps, if you work really hard, you'll reach that level of Christianity that I've achieved or that level of religiosity that I've achieved. Let's look at something here. Let's turn to Luke 15, verse 7. And guess who's talking here? That's right. It's the one. It's the only. It's our Lord and Savior Himself. I tell you that in in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous who need no repentance. So, as religious people look down their noses at people who just got saved, remember that. Remember that, you know, for those of us that pray regularly, for those of us that tithe regularly, for those of us that minister the gospel to people, listen, you're supposed to be doing that stuff, man. You're, you're, don't expect a big old pat on the back. You got your reward 2,000 years ago. As a matter of fact, you could spend the next 2,000 years doing everything you're doing in your little religious mind right now and you still wouldn't have paid for the gift you got 2,000 years ago. So get your head out of that religious cloud and start to look around you and understand that there's a world of lost people out there that don't come to Christ, not because of Christ, but because of Christians. Because Christians sometimes think that we're too good for other people. Oh, I can't hang out with them. Then, of course, by the other side of the token, as I started out tonight, we've got, we've got folks that think that they're not good enough. They've come to Christ and they don't think that they're good enough for God's promises. And we're called to walk a balanced faith walk. I mean, you can't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good, but you can't walk around going, oh, I'm just such a low life. I'm just such a nobody that, that God can never use me. What Jesus was, was talking about in, in Luke here, he was, he was setting up the stage for the story of the prodigal son. Here in, in verse 7, it talks about for those for those who don't need repentance. Repentance means to turn away from a sin. If you, through the grace of God, have had the ability to overcome sin in your life, rejoice in it. Praise God for it. Because really the good work He has begun in you, He has brought to completion. All you do when you repent is say, I'm not going to do it anymore, and God, I'm going to give it over to you to handle. You you may fall three, four, five times in that sin. Do you perfect people remember when you weren't so perfect? Do you people that used to sin because 
of course, you're redeemed by the blood. You don't sin anymore. <laughs> Not. Do you, do you folks remember when you first started that faith walk and, and you'd catch yourself speaking the way you used to speak or going out and, 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 and doing the things you used to do, how bad you'd feel the next day or making ungodly decisions in your life that you shouldn't have made? If you don't remember, do us all a favor. Do yourself a favor. Ask the Holy Spirit to humble you and to help you. Now, the the problem is, of course, the catch-22 in that is that God doesn't remember any of your sins. And you shouldn't remember anybody else's. We shouldn't be little sin sniffers looking around and going, Ooh, where's there some sin? Where can I find some sin? We need to be... Gracious, we need to treat people like God would treat us. Now that doesn't mean that we need to be sappy and not correct folks that God has put in our way as folks that are younger in the faith. In the the scripture it says about older people teaching younger people in the faith, right? So we're supposed to teach people that are new in their faith walk. Hey man, you, you can't do that. There's freedom in Christ. And yes, all things are lawful, but not all things are wise to do. You really don't want to do that. Listen, you're not going to go to hell because you drink a beer. But it really isn't advisable, especially if you're new and you're really out there trying to, you know, talk to all your motorcycle buddies. You know, they're just not going to understand you. Oh, but I'm trying to relate, dude. No, 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 no. You can't relate to people, you can't preach the gospel with a beer in your hand. It's just not going to happen. Or a joint in your hand, or whatever, or on a dance floor at the local club. You can't do that. You need to focus on the Lord. You need to pray. And yes, talk to people about Christ, but also look for divine appointments. Ask the Holy Spirit to work in your life and to show you who He wants you to talk to. And trust me when I tell you, you've got a long faith walk ahead of you. You're going to have lots of time to sow your seed and to share your beliefs with people. But this is kind of like flying on a plane where the little mask drops out of the top, you know, where you got to put your mask on first before you, you know, pick your others. I was on a Southwest flight a while back and the, and the flight attendant, uh, she says, uh, put on your mask first and uh, then pick your favorite child and put theirs on next. And then your second favorite child and so on and so forth until everybody's got their masks on. Really, look at your faith walk. Walk righteously. What Jesus was setting everybody up for here was the story of the prodigal son. You you know it. It was a, it was a, a story that he used. And there was two points that he he was making in this story. The first one, of course, was of the grace of God. Here you've got a kid who was rambunctious to say the least. He was uh he was a rich farmer's kid, dad had a lot of livestock. You, you can find this story in Luke chapter 15. And and as you read the story, you realize that you know this kid was a party animal. He he'd been living on the farm and and he he'd been living with dad and dad was a wealthy man, but hey, this guy wanted to go out and party, man. He wanted to go and see what the world had to offer. He wanted to go sow his oats, man. He wanted to go out there and just do his thing. And the scripture tells us how he went off to a far off land. Now notice, he didn't, he didn't say, dad, give me my inheritance so I can like go across the street and buy a house. He, he knew, he knew that what he was doing wasn't what his father would have him do. So he went off to a far off land. You ever tried to hide from God? Oh God, turn turn your face. Don't you got something to do in the Middle East or something? Come on, you know don't don't look don't look right now. I'm about to do something you don't like. God sees it anyway. 
and it breaks his heart. But I digress. So here's this kid and he is takes his inheritance. He says, well, dad, I want what you got for me now. I don't want to wait till you die. I want it now. And his dad says, okay, very wisely and gives it to him. So he goes and, and, uh, and does his, does his thing, goes out there and spends all his money and is going out with crazy women. And actually, let's, let's call it what it is. He spent his money with prostitutes. Okay. And, you know, going to the local club and partying and all that stuff. He finally found himself in a position where he, he was, he was feeding pigs for a living. See, instead of going back to his father originally, he said, well, let me go to somebody else around here. He turned himself into somebody there and they, they wouldn't even feed the guy. He ended up having to want to eat what the pigs were eating. And he said, man, I, I, wait a minute. My father is a very rich man and I don't want to live this way. I, I'll go back to my father and I'll be a, I'll be a servant in his house because I, I, there's no way he's going to accept me back as his son this way. The story says he, he went home and his father saw him coming. His father was sitting out on the porch going, man, I wonder where my son is. I wonder if he's coming back. And the word says that when his father saw him coming down the street, his father pulled out the shotgun. No, he ran to him. He ran to that boy and he threw his arms around him and he gave him a kiss and he said, my son's come home. He was dead. Now he's alive. He finally realizes that there's no place like home. There's no place like being next to dad. And what was Jesus showing us? That listen, when you fall, even though you may tell God, hey, I'm going to, God, I, I know I have this, but I just got to go and try this. Those of you that were raised in the faith, I talk to people that are Christians today and they were raised in the faith and I ask them, have you been a good little Christian all your life? They said, oh no, I, I went through my wilderness experience. You realize every Christian has a wilderness experience. Every Christian, for whatever reason, because of our, our, our sin nature, even though we were born into a God-fearing family, a Christian-based family, maybe we even did the prayer when we were in Sunday school, when we were seven or eight or what have you. For whatever reason, our flesh just gets in the way. And we say, no, but I want to try that. I want to go out and hang out with the harlots like everybody else does. And the beauty of it is that when God sees you coming, what's waiting for you? He comes running. The scripture says, draw nigh unto me. That means if you start taking a step towards what Jesus has ready for you, he's going to come running to you. Now that may not sit right with people. And it doesn't sit right with people. How many, how many of these religious types talk about, oh yeah, <laughs> they got saved. Sure they did. They got, I remember when they were doing this and that and the other. And then they lay out all that person's sin. I re- Wait a minute, man. Is that, are they any more of a sinner than you? Because the scripture says that there's not one righteous one, one among us. Not a one. But oh no, but there's no way that, I mean, all he did, after all that stuff he did, after all those things he did after all the people he killed or all the banks he robbed or all the people he led astray uh, God's going to save him yeah yeah perhaps we don't know your worst sin I'll tell you something quite candidly if you knew my worst sin you'd never talk to me but hey if I knew yours I'd probably never talk to you either so we need to cut the sin sniffing because here is Jesus telling a story that tells us that God 
The father is always waiting for his prodigals, always waiting, and he's not going to receive them, you know, with a with a with a with a shotgun or a big stick to beat them up. No. What does it say? It says, take him inside, put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, kill the fatted calf. We're having a party, y'all. It's great. But no. Here's what Jesus was setting us up for ultimately is in verse 25. Now his older son, okay, the brother of the party animal, right, was in the field. And when he came approached the house, he heard music and dancing. Now, before we go on, I, I, I gotta, I gotta say, I can totally understand this guy's position. Here I'm out in the field, man, and I'm sweating. I'm doing my job. I'm, I'm trying, you know, I'm being a good son. I'm doing everything my daddy asked me to do. And I hear, I come by and I, hey, somebody's making a barbecue. And somebody's having a party. What's going on? So he walks over to the servant and began to inquire. He said, well, what's going on here? What, what, what is all this music and dancing and what, what's going on? And they said, well, your, your brothers come home. Your father's killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. He stops and says, but wait a minute. He became angry. He says, what's going on here? Right? Let's, let's, let's go on with the story here. D, why don't you pick up the story here in, uh, in verse 28 and read down to verse 32 for us. Luke 15, 28 through 32. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began entreating him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet, you have never given me a kid that I might be merry with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with harlots, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, My child, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to be merry and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. What is Jesus showing us here? First of all, this guy was, was being a knucklehead. As long as, you know, his little relationship with dad was good, you know, and, and everything, as long as dad met his approval, he, he was good. He was religious. He did everything daddy said. Daddy, yes. Daddy, yes. Yes, yes, yes. But the moment that daddy took daddy's role and did what daddies do, and what do daddies do? Whatever they feel like it. That's what God does. Whatever he feels like it. Okay? And God will save who he's going to save. Regardless of how you feel about it. But I love this. I love this because it shows, it shows how gracious, how wonderful God is. Because the father came out to the son. He didn't say, well, fine. If he wants to be that way, 
fine, you, you guys go, go out and grab him and drag him in here by the hair and make him sit in that corner over there and we're all going to party and we're going to... No, he went out there and he tried to talk to this kid and explain to him, listen man, everything that I have in this world is yours. You know this. You get it. You understand. You've had a revelation of who I am. You know what riches and glory I've given to you. You know the inheritance. So what if your brother was a knucklehead? So what? The point is he's your brother. He's here. God didn't just die for you. He died for me. He died for the people out there on the basketball court. He died for those people in the crack house. He died for those people in the dictator's offices in Cuba. He died for the wretches that live and walk the face of this planet. He died for the child pornographers. He died for the sex addicts. He died for the good people too. He died for everyone. And you know what? When someone claims the name of Jesus as Savior and Lord, God doesn't see a child pornographer. God doesn't see a dictator. God doesn't see a sex addict. God doesn't see a drug addict, a drunk, or a, a womanizer, or a whoremonger. God doesn't see any of those things. All God sees is a repentant, submitted child that wants to live with Him in eternity. You know, I'm, I'm Cuban. And Cubans, like many other cultures, are always looking for a party. I mean, if I'd have been there, I'd have been like, barbecue, dude, music, yes, music. When I was in the world, we'd show up at a party and people would be like, hey man, what's up? What's the party about? Oh, I don't know, man. It's just somebody was having a party and we just thought we'd show up. But now that we're, now that we're saved, oh, wait a minute. What's this party about? What are these people doing? What are they celebrating? Is it right? Is it scriptural? Are are we supposed to be celebrating this? Shut up and celebrate, man! It's a celebration. You know, if people aren't out there taking off their clothes and doing despicable things on the dance floor, whatever, and there's just good music and people are clapping and having a good time and fellowshipping and sharing good stories and good talk and good food, hey, by all means, enjoy with them. Don't stay away from secular parties. Don't do what they do. If people are drinking up a storm, don't drink with them. Or is it that you can't handle that? Get a glass of Coke. Get a glass of water. Enjoy the barbecue. Tell them about Jesus. Because you never know when God is going to put someone in your path that you can tell about His greatness. Everything He has is already yours. Don't judge others because God has given them a relationship with Him. There's plenty to go around. And you know what? When you walk that final walk all by yourself to the Bema Seat of Christ, you're not going to bring people you liked and you're not going to bring people you hated. All you're going to bring is you. And the question that Christ is going to say is, how many people did you point at me? Not how many people did you judge if they were worthy of pointing at me or how many people did you judge and say, well, they've got him, but (laughs) by the skin of their teeth. How many people did you point at me? And if you're good and submitted and a good son who understands or good daughter who understands what their father has for them and the riches and the glory that he wants to share with you spiritually, emotionally, physically, monetarily, everything. If you really understand that and if the main thing that you get in your life 
is a renewed heart and a renewed attitude about what your purpose in life is. And your purpose in life, again, is to share, as Paul was given the grace to share, the glory of the riches that Christ has in store for everyone on this earth. Amen? Father, we give you thanks and praise for today. Lord, we know that we've heard from your Spirit today. And Father, we thank you for the Word. Lord, let it take root in our hearts. Lord, let it change our lives. Lord, let us go forth with a renewed attitude, with a renewed excitement about sharing your riches with others. Lord, give us a mouth and words to speak of encouragement, of that uplift, that build up and not break down. Lord, Tear away our religiosity. Break it down. Destroy it. Give us a heart. A heart. The heart of Jesus. For a fallen world that needs a Savior. Give us the words to go out and encourage them to look towards Jesus. Because Jesus is the answer. Lord, you said without you we can't do anything. And we know this is true. Lord, help us give that message to people in a loving way. To tell them that, hey, I feel you. I know what you're going through because I've been there and I've done that. And what I've realized is that without Christ, I couldn't possibly handle what you're going through right now. Father, give us the ability, put people in our way that we can minister to, that we can share that with. Lord, and that we can tell them that there's a hope in this time where everybody says there's none. Lord, let us be a light in the world's darkness. We give you thanks and praise, Lord. Be with us this week as we go forward. I bless each and every person that is here in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for those that are not, those that are listening on the internet or those that are listening through MP3. Lord, be with us this week as we go forward and until we meet here again, make straight our path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.